do. This one's a little bit more of a potpourri, I think. There, there hasn't been, I think, the the crazy major news that we like to maybe break down and freak out about. But there's still a lot of interesting things. Uh, that that game yesterday was pretty crazy. I don't know about that. That was pretty crazy. I don't know that it can necessarily meet the uh, uh, the level of drama that you get after firing a head coach and then beating you know one of the best teams in the country. But the way it ended was pretty unexpected, pretty awesome. And if you're looking for evidence that, you know, Jake Diebler has this team on a different kind of footing than they were under, under Chris Holtman, uh, the fact that they kind of came back and won a game, right? As opposed to just a road, a road game for the first time in 400 plus days. The streak uh, is over. The streak's over. One of my favorite tweets uh, after the game was like, nobody beats Ohio State on the road 18 times in a row. <laughs> and they, Damn right. And it's not possible, apparently, because they came back against Michigan State. I thought they were dead to rights. You know, it was basically going into the last minute. I was like, there's, there's no way they're pulling this off, especially with the way the teams had performed offensively leading up to the last minute. Uh, you know, but again, they, they go out there, they gut it out. It's, you know, Dale Bonner hits this unbelievable three, this just, you know, off his back foot. Uh, I, I, you know, I like, I appreciated that Jake Diebler is very upfront about this after the game and saying that like, you know, I've planned, I, I had a, I had a play Izzo took it away and I just kind of said, okay, let's see how this, this plays out. And it, it ended just up, how we drew that's it up. Right, exactly. Exactly how they drew it up. Um, but yeah, they, they took it to Michigan state. They won a game on the road for the first time and forever. They continue to be terrible from three. They were not great from the field in general, honestly. Um, but they won on the glass, particularly on the offensive glass. That was a big deal. They got a, didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like it. But you know what? They got a lot of help from the bench. Um, again, this was a this is a game where both teams were not good offensively in a lot of ways. But they did what they needed to do towards the end of the game, obviously to to win. And you know, it, do you want confirmation that this is a great team? You're not going to get it. Do you want confirmation that this is a team that is playing better and maybe a little bit gutsier under Jake Diebler, then I think maybe you could use this as evidence. And frankly, I'm not going to be crying about this result or, or trying to poo-poo at all. It was pretty awesome. And, you know, I, I'm. it makes me more optimistic about the last couple games that they're going to play here. Well, the thing that I think should make you super optimistic is the fact that Jamison Battle was a late scratch. That's right. And I, yes, and I forgot to mention that. So they were out, they were without, you know, one of their best players and still were able to pull one of off. The, Yeah. The best three point shooter in the big 10 this season on a, you know, for a team that couldn't afford to lose that given how the rest of the three point shooting is gone. And yeah. they were still able to not only find a better offensive rhythm in the second half, but really lock in defensively and put the clamps on Michigan state. I think there was like a stretch going into the last two minutes where Michigan state like didn't score a field goal. Granted, neither did Ohio state. They only got points off free throws, but you can't mount a comeback if the other team is generating offense on the floor. Now there was a lot to be left desired relative to transition defense and you know, uh, I still think Roddy Gale commits to Roddy Gale's greatest talent may be starting the other team's fast break in terms of the, <laughs> the turnovers that he commits and yeah. the early sh- long, poor shot selection early in the shot clock. There's still a lot to be desired there. But, you know, the thing that I, I've been saying about this team all year is that they're good enough where if you're getting at least two of three of their offensive cylinders are clicking in Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale and Jamison battle. They're going to be in the game with most teams. They didn't have Jamison battle yesterday. Roddy Gale was like better than he usually is. I think by the road game standards, but still not great. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think Thornton necessarily played his best game yesterday either. And they still gritted out the win. Yeah. I mean, that is nothing if not a reflection of elevated coaching from what they've had relative to the rest of the season. And I think a lot of it too is reflected in the fact that they're going to the well more now in terms of the, I don't want to say the depth they have available, but in terms of using more of their rotation and not being as 
uh, critical of the young players making mistakes and encouraging them to, you know, take advantage of the opportunity you're you're seeing this team play with greater comfort and with a a greater i think drive and passion than what they had throughout january and in the early stages of february before they let holtman go Mm -hmm. so i think jake diebler absolutely deserves credit for that uh it was funny to hear Izzo not issue any sort of defense for Holtman yesterday given what Painter had to say about uh oh they would have won today if yeah. Holtman had been on the sideline sure. it wouldn't have mattered after that upset so I think Izzo probably recognized that he would have had a bit of egg on his face relative to you know defending that that uh that, that change in coaching yeah. but it uh I mean it, it. I was just so happy for them after. I mean, we. It's one thing for us to you know chastise the team, not just us, but like every all the fans and you know other members of the media too. Just kind of leaning into, oh, when is this road streak going to end? I have to imagine that that's a very, if not you know at at best annoying and at worst very mentally uh, debilitating fact for like that a cloud for that kind of cloud to hang over a team particularly in a conference where as much as we like to you know uh egg holtman on about it he wasn't wrong in the sense that it's difficult to win on the road in this conference regardless of where it's at sure and so when you've got that kind of difficult objective hanging over something that's gone on for over a year i think that in terms of an actual day amount it ended at 420 yesterday for that kind of cloud to be hanging over your head for 420 days it has to be just such an unbelievable relief a weight off their shoulders for them to finally not have to worry about that anymore particularly in the fashion that they won the game I have to imagine that it was just a total total jubilation throughout the entire roster so very very feel-good moment for them I'm glad that they don't have to go into the off season wondering, oh, are we going to win a road game next season? And it, you know, in the sense that it's kind of weighing against their ability to win away from home. This is a team that did beat Alabama at a neutral site earlier this season. So I, I thought it was kind of unfair to always be, even as I was one that was kind of lamenting the fact that they were on that streak, mm-hmm. it still felt kind of unfair to hold that against them given the success they had early in the season at neutral site. Games. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's I a mean, new, some of it's a new is, leaf now. Yeah. Some of it is definitely like a technical thing. Right. And and it's not necessarily like a, an indication of, of any real, like, I don't know. It would be if Holtman was still coaching. That's, yes, that's true. And you know what? And the thing is, I was thinking about this during the game. First of all, we didn't mention um, uh, Devin Royal coming off the bench scoring 14, which is big and, and you know, six for eight from the field. I, that kind of stuff is, you know, you can't always anticipate it as a fan, but when you see it repeated that the bench gets more involved and that maybe you can rely on points from places that you're not getting from your starters, that kind of stuff. That's when you start to look at the head coach and go, okay, what specifically is Diebler doing that Holtman was not doing? Right. Like these are, he's empowering his players. Holtman would not have gone to the well like that in the second half. I don't, I don't think so either. And I think that's where you can like point to specific things and start going, okay, well, if this is what you want in a coach, you know, let's say Ohio State, you know, is able to get over the hump somehow, get into the NCAA tournament. Now, I still think that's that's a long shot, but it's definitely more possible than it was, you know, two or three games ago, right? So I I am really curious to see how the Nebraska games go or the Nebraska game goes. Um, that's a team that is probably the hardest of the, the three that you have left in the regular season to beat, but you get them at home. Michigan is in complete free fall. You have to beat that team. And if, and if you don't beat them, then I don't think you have a shot at it. Uh, and then you've got Rutgers, which is a team that started out hot and, and honestly has kind of blown up a little bit in the past, uh, in a bad way in the past uh, half of the season, last half of the season. So they, they have the, the opportunity to win two of those three, if not all three, and then have you know a pretty big head of steam going into the uh, 
the uh, Big Ten tournament. So, you know, this is a team right now that I think still has a lot of issues. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know why you're letting Mappy, you know, have any amount of minutes at this point. He's just completely been terrible. I had 22 minutes against Michigan State and uh, scored zero points. He had one rebound, one assist, one block, and three personal fouls uh, in 22 minutes of uh, court time. So that's that's got to change. you got to find a solution there. Um, but overall, I, I do think the attitude around the team is different. I think, like I said, you're starting to see Diebler's approach to the game and what he's doing in terms of personnel and letting guys open it up a little bit in the second half. And that's going to serve you well. Like if, let me put it this way. If Jake Diebler is a guy who's looking to get a job with Ohio state or, you know, elsewhere, I think he's really doing a good job at showing who he is as a coach and people respond to that. So I'm excited about it. I think it's awesome. And, you know, again, is this a completely different team? No, but they have the opportunity to prove that maybe they can become that. Uh, in the next, you know, four or five games. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I have to say on the point of, you know, the the team not checking out in the second half, you know, I was uh, I was on duty yesterday for 11 Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, that usually requires me to be up at 6 a.m. in the event that, you know, some sort of uh, news breaks. Yeah, some goofiness happen happens, yeah. Well, I do remember that the it was about, like, I think it was May the first, like not the first year I was on, but like a year after I had started, I think the, the news about Dwayne Haskins passing happened at like seven thirty in yeah. the morning. So it's like, you, you can say that you'd, you know, Oh, there's probably not going to be news. That it happens, that man. I was, but yeah. I was weekend editor when, uh, you know, obviously a completely different situation, but when JT Barrett got his DUI and it was like, you know, that, that's, those reports started coming out like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. You're like, oh my god, dude, oh, it's gosh. a Sunday. Like, I want to go. That's to... nasty. Yeah, and it's just it's stuff like <laughs> I that. I want thirty more minutes of sleep right. that I'm allotted to, please. Yes, and and yeah. so you just you know you never know. It's right. It's crazy. So so being up at six a.m. Sunday, and then you know I I got done publishing the weekender, and uh, it was like you know the game started an hour and a half after that, and I gotta say. I, I fell asleep during the first half because that was bad basketball. Sure, yeah, yeah. I think it was like it was like twenty to fifteen with like maybe five minutes to go uh-huh. or something. I think in the front, I was just like, I I can't do it, man. Right. I'm like I'm taking a nap right now. Like, <laughs> I get it. So bad. I get it. And I was wondering, I'm like, should us? I just should I just turn the game off? Like in the second half, I. I was getting ready to quit yeah. on this team in the same way that the team would have quit a month ago if they were in the same situation. And Diebler rallied me back, <laughs> put on a compelling second half, and go. the same effect that Diebler had on me as a fan, right. he clearly had on his players. You gave because just they, as much effort as uh, Bonner did in the last minute of the game. To they buckled it. down, and they held Michigan State to 25 points yeah. in the second half, and they... Hey, you don't. You're not able to mount a comeback without really putting the clamps on, and they did it. And they didn't find much of an offensive rhythm, but they got just enough done in order to eke out the victory. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes, and that that little bit of not giving up until the end, it it put them in a situation now where they still have something to play for better than the NIT. Yeah, and that is. Uh, that is a powerful thing, given where well, how rudderless this team was in the in recent months. Yeah, and and also coming off a pretty bad loss against Minnesota, right? Like it's not it's you know they they didn't look good against Minnesota. They looked flat out bad at times, and they were able to to come back and, and you know win a tough game on the road in dramatic fashion. And that's that's pretty awesome to see. Women's basketball, by the way. I mean, we've I don't want to just like suddenly stop talking about women's basketball because men's basketball are actually winning games. Women's basketball, by the way hasn't lost since like what like i i'm trying to look up the day yeah they haven't lost since 2023 so (laughs) they're doing fine um second ranked team in the country i believe at this point and first in the big 10 undisputed uh iowa's i want to say they're falling off a cliff a little bit but they've lost uh two of their last four um they do 
get to host the Buckeyes for their last game of the regular season. And I think that's going to be an absolute banger because I know Caitlin Clark's going to want some measure of revenge in that one. Um, that's going to be. Yeah. And, and I don't think game. it's, we're avoiding talking about them as much as we've just kind of become spoiled by their successes. Yes. They've yeah. risen to become the second best team in the country. And then the flip side of that is they're not going to be able to get ahead of South Carolina until South Carolina loses. Correct. which They still have not. And their being able to get uh, a share of the Big Ten title was predicated less on their own ability to continue winning against teams they have a leg up on, more so than Iowa kind of falling apart mm-hmm. down the stretch, which falling apart is a strong word or phrase for how good of a team that they are and a team that played in the national title last season and still has their best player available for that sort of a run. But Again, to your point, losing to Nebraska and then losing to Indiana and now going into a situation where they're hosting a team that was able to beat them before this kind of free fall started where they had previously been the second best team in the country. It's it's more about there's nothing really necessarily stunning or shocking that has happened with the women's team Mm -hmm. than, you know, just kind of putting them on the back burner. I would say that relative to a lot of the drama that there much more drama around the men's team than I think the women's team, the women's team has been very consistent. And so there isn't much to communicate relative to, uh, you know, Oh, this is, this is an interesting thing to talk about. Not that, not that it's something that shouldn't be discussed because it's, you know, they're the second best team in the country right now. And we're going to get to hopefully see them make a very solid postseason run. I think the most interesting thing about the women's team, and there's the, something that I'll be paying attention to as they get into March here, is not necessarily, you know, how good some of their players can be. Because we know about the core, right? Like J.C. Selden especially is, you know, just... They're probably they're a better three point shooting team than the men's team at least. Oh, they're inc- they're an incredible three point shooting team. Uh, Celeste Taylor getting twenty against Maryland in the last game. I the, the, what will be interesting to me and what I'm looking forward to uh, finding out as they get into the Big Ten tournament and of course the NCAA tournament is what their depth looks like. Can they rely on their bench to try to generate points? And and you know this is a team that doesn't do a whole lot of that. They they've got their core. And they kind of lean on that pretty hard. So I'm curious to see if they have to stretch themselves a little bit in terms of personnel at some point. Um, You know, will they be able to do that uh, when they get pressed a little bit? And, you know, last season they had their most successful NCAA run ever. So I have to feel that that gives them a lot of confidence going into um going into this year and and hopefully you know i mean shoot a final four if that's in the cards i would be super stoked for that i think that would be incredible for the the women's program so that's pretty awesome to see also general basketball note ohio state is actually reducing basketball ticket prices uh for next season probably in response to the fact that very few people have been showing up to some of these games um uh andy wrote this earlier and uh he said that the average attendance for an Ohio State men's basketball game is just 11,290, which is the record Whoa. low. <laughs> yeah, that's a record low for the shot. And what's wild, the previous record low was over was almost 1,000 more people per game. So this is by far the worst season in the shot for the men's basketball team. And not a big surprise that they are uh, they're trying to get some people back in. Um by uh by lowering ticket prices so if you want to go and now they're packaging them with the spring game too so they're trying to they're trying to build off the the hype around the football team to just desperately squeeze out any more juice from the lemon that is this ohio state men's basketball season i'll tell you what they so the the game category the the quote-unquote premier game category if you want to sit in zone one which is the priciest zone right the the closest to the court That'll run you a cool fifty-seven dollars. So that's that's like uh, that's like at least twenty dollars less than the worst ticket for uh, uh, football for uh, the absolute. Are you moonlighting worst for the Value City Arena marketing team? What's going on? I'm just saying, if you got fifty-seven I'm bucks, you can go to the best games and see the best uh, 
you know, and the best seats uh, for. Ohio I will State, say, so. and to you know, to the point of this team making the tournament, it some somebody when I posed the question in this week's question in the forum, how how do you you know do you still have hopes for Ohio State making the tourney? Someone I thought made kind of an underrated point, which is that it's going to be harder to advocate for Ohio State playing a game in like Dayton or something like if they would rather like pick a a team that would presumably get more support than Ohio state, because you're not going to get the fans to travel to Dayton if they haven't even been like traveling to the Schottenstein for games. (laughs) So (laughs) if you want this team to be in the tournament, go show the people making the selections that the fans are at least going to come out for the game. That's a good point. Cause it, cause they haven't. This that year. is actually an excellent point, And they definitely look at that stuff. Um, whether they should or shouldn't, I guess is up for debate, but yeah, 100%. Um, money, 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 money. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, money. <laughs> glad you finished that. So I didn't have to, uh, real quick, by the way, I, I, I we talked about this a little bit. Uh, on a previous dubcast, but court storming drama. Okay, so we had, you know, Caitlin Clarko, obviously with Ohio State, you know, they they rushed the court. She gets, you know, nicked a little bit. Um, a lot of people say, like, hey, you can't, you know, have your stars potentially getting injured. And then we've got flop. It was a flop. <laughs> well, then you got, I don't believe that. I don't I'm believe it was kidding. a flop either. But uh, then you got Duke and Wake. And Wake Forest decides to storm the court despite being betting favorites, which is the dumbest thing. And then uh, they, uh, you know, one of their guys gets gets hit on the court. And here's the thing. So I, I'm generally, you know, pro court storming, pro field rushing, all that kind of stuff. But and I, we've had conversations on the show about it before. But I got to tell you something. I'm starting to come around to the argument uh, that people are making that maybe this kind of thing needs to either at least be limited or stopped. Because and, and I think one of the um, the the thing that kind of did it for me, it wasn't just the the Duke player you know, getting clipped a little bit, although I think he might've tried to initiate contact. I think what I realized was, first of all, it doesn't matter whether he did or he didn't because it's still a dangerous situation no matter what. And I also noticed that on the front uh, page of ESPN, they had this picture of the court storming or whatever. And there's this adult grown man, probably my age with his, can't be more than four or five year old child running in his arms like on his shoulders oh i've never seen that are you kidding yeah no no it's it's on there like a guy stormed the court with his young child yeah, yeah. like carrying that's yeah. it that's insane that's insane and and i just and I, get your priorities yeah. straight re- holy crap yeah and i remember i was like you know when i uh stormed the field after you know both times i saw ohio state ohio state beat michigan I remember there was a moment in both of those instances where I was like, somebody could very easily get crushed to death. <laughs> like this is, this is not super safe. And when I saw that picture of the dude with his kid in his arms on the court, as everybody was like rushing towards it, I kind of was thinking like, uh, okay, this is going to lead to some pretty bad things at a certain point. So I, like I said, I am, I am starting to come around to the, uh, to the idea that maybe this is something that that is not uh you know not a great idea anymore i was the the last time the last time northwestern beat ohio state which i think was in like 2004 i was at that game yeah and like northwestern emptied the stands and ran out on the field and one of their fans actually had a heart attack and died well and on the way down the stairs to do it like and there you go it is it is not worth like that from that moment on, like it, it, I, I, cause I was like, this was 2004. So I think I was in like fourth grade. Yeah. I just remember thinking like, there's no way that it, it is worth it to like get that worked up about a sporting event right. ever. Right. And that again, that was me in fourth grade. I had so many more years of heartache and, and triumph and tribulation. <laughs> You're to already go kind of Ohio State You're like, fan oh, at that point. This, this, this is this isn't good for my heart but i'm an ohio state fan imagine having a you're a northwestern fan you just had a heart attack over this thing like come on man there's no way that it's worth it yeah 
Like that's that's why it's so crazy to me that you'd say that there was a guy that was getting ready to run out you know there what? with his kid. So here's the that, deal. that is an unbelief that that is the visual that they should be using for if they want to stop court storming. I agree. Not any of the video replays of Kyle Filipowski getting hurt. Yeah. You just show a father running out there endangering their kid in the swarm. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's enough of a reason to get people to stop doing so this. So the picture I just sent you in Slack, it's not just him. <laughs> I, I just realized this because I see I've I found the full picture on ESPN. It's not just him with his, you know, five or six year old daughter in his arms. Oh yeah. He's got two children. Yeah, he's got his, he's got his other kid who looks maybe a year or two older running out with him. And the kid is like looking at this crowd. Like this is <laughs> the kid looks much this more is concerned. mildly dangerous. Yeah, the kid looks very concerned about what's happening. And the dad's like, yeah, this is great. And uh, the kid's like, where's Kyle Filipowski. <laughs> right. I'm going to sprain his ankle. That's right. I'm going to get his ass um yeah so i'm kind of with you i mean it's it's a great exuberant um you know display of of passion and that's always fun and great but honestly like it's just a matter of time well, yeah, before something the other really thing we should happened. point out is that john shire after like kyle Filipowski, first of all was like i which i thought was kind of funny i i i understand that he's pissed off but he was like I, he he went as far as to say the actions were both like personal and intentional <laughs> yeah, from right. the okay. Wake Forest students, sure. which is like I don't okay, know. dude. Maybe maybe not. Yeah, I there's some controversy about like I think the second person that made contact with him actually like gave him a shove or something. Yeah, yeah. but I I don't really know about that. But but it doesn't matter the, either way because he, whoever initiated it doesn't matter. It's a dangerous well, situation. Well, the, the Ohio yeah the Ohio State angle of this is that John Shire after the game when he was openly asking when are we going to outright ban court storming right. literally invoked what happened to Caitlin Clark at Ohio State mm-hmm. in January. So there's. Right. There, like, as a Buckeye fan, this is something that we kind of have to come to terms with relative to whether or not this is actually going to get banned or not. And if it does, there's like, there, there's some guilt that we bear in that process, given how worked up the discourse has become. Um, and, and we've talked about it before how it, and you made this point when we just started talking about this, that Wake Forest was the betting favorite even if they yeah. weren't technically a ranked team, right? there's, you have to understand when like it is appropriate to do this yeah. stuff. And I, I don't think that like when you're a team that it's one thing to be the betting favorites. I don't know how many students actually knew that. And if you're an unranked team that beats a top 10 team at home, I feel like you're, I don't want to say within your right, but I, that is at least a more appropriate time to do it than say like when number eight, Ohio state beats number 24 Penn state in football, which is the example I always point to from like three or four years ago. And it's just like, why like act it, it's act like you've been there before. Yeah. Cause you have, this is not something yeah, that merits right, right, running right. on the field. Be, we did it. We are Kings of the world. It's the end of the city. It's like, nah, this this isn't enough of a, a big time win for you to celebrate it in this sort of fashion. Yeah. Even if it is the end of the season, it's got to be an upset. If you, if it's not an upset at home, it's just not appropriate. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to it and it just doesn't feel, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like it's worth it at this point. I mean, it, it could be different for different sports and how the thing is situated and whatever, but I don't know. I just think at a certain point you're just asking for trouble. So um, again, I, I am generally pro exuberance. I think it's cool. I think it's fun, but, uh, I don't know. I, to me, it almost feels like once something like this gets a little ugly, it gets a lot ugly. You know what I mean? Like people start looking well, for the other crazy to make part it of it. Yeah. The other crazy part of it is that Jay Billis, who's like, you know, big time Duke mafia guy yeah. is yeah. he came out after the game and said, this isn't going to change. Yeah, it's going to be like hard. he like you would I mean, think he's going to be like advocating in favor of Filipowski and the program that was just wrong. And he's like, no, like the conference enjoys the visual. Right. The media loves the visual. It's like, why? Why are they going to do anything different when it's just it's in the overall scheme of things? It's good for the sport, even if it's bad for player safety. Yeah. Now, I did see that and i'm forgetting which team it was it might have been creighton but there was a 
there was one team that uh, like they had their security preemptively form a barrier around the visiting bench Mm -hmm. and then and like they they didn't let the students come out they formed the barrier and then they let the students rush because they were going to do it anyway and they were able to keep all of the the visiting players safe from any harm so there is like in theory there's a way to go about doing this and it'll be interesting to see if the ncaa like invokes any any rule changes around doing this for security concerns in the off season if they do decide to look at it Mm -hmm. but you know it hasn't been a good week for the ncaa in terms of enforcing its own (laughs) rulings so we'll we'll see if that ends up making any much of a difference going forward (laughs) yeah that's that's true uh they took a big a big fat L on the NIL stuff and, and policing that. Um, that's something that I think still has to work its way through the courts, but yeah, that's, that's pretty funny about that one. Um, real quick, uh, before we get to ask us anything, uh, a couple of interesting stadium things to point out, Ohio state. So Northwestern, in case you haven't heard Northwestern's building, uh, you know, they're, they're doing their, uh, their whole new stadium down there. They're tearing down Ryan field. As a former member of the wildcat kids club. I'm very shaken up. Do you have, did you, uh, were you able to get one of like their, their benches? Did you get one of those? Did you, you know, were you able to get a piece of the stadium? I have so many beautiful memories there. What I was there for that 51-48 Wisconsin game where oh, all the Wisconsin game. fans left the stadium and then security emphatically would not let them back in when they started mounting a comeback. <laughs> and I remember just seeing this angry, massive mob of red in the northeast corner of the stadium amassed outside the gate, everybody trying to like peer over each other to see what was going on. And then Northwestern still won by a field that goal. That rules. Not often you see a 51-48 game. I did stretch with the Cats on the field almost every year I was Ooh, a kid. There you go. So I, uh, a lot of fond memories there. I didn't necessarily need a piece of the stadium. If I could get one thing, it's the first stadium that I've been in where they had like heat lamps underneath the overhang for like the the wintery games mm-hmm. i would have wanted to get uh you know one of those bulbs maybe rather than a uh that would be nice rather than a piece of the bench but ryan field will be missed it's going to be a shame that they build this you know diet soldier field spaceship looking thing where they can lose to usc <laughs> yeah, right, every exactly. season by a score of 56 uh-huh. to 10 yeah well it's going to be the, the the best damn house for a two and ten team you've ever seen um Anyway, so Ohio State's going to be playing Northwestern at Wrigley, apparently. That That is disgusting. What a terrible idea that is. Uh, That's just going to go poorly for everybody. And I I saw Northwestern play Illinois there the first time that they thought this was a good idea. And I can tell you, Chicago weather in November is going to make that game miserable for absolutely everybody. Nobody's going to be happy. Should not be happening. Nobody's going to be happy. And. I think we talked about this. Don't they still have it where you have like the offense has to play in one direction and the defense, like they can only go in one spot. You can't like flip. So according to Dan, according to Dan, he says that that has since been fixed, but that was a problem when I attended the game, which is also Illinois was, yeah, they can only go in one direction, but I can't remember which direction it is because the thing is you're kind of screwed in either direction. The Western end zone is right next to the dugout Uh where if you overrun a route, you're at risk of going over the the low fence and falling in. The Eastern end zone is hugged up against the Ivy wall. Right. And they put padding up for it, but you're still like inches away from overrunning your route and slamming into the barrier. That's not going to be pleasant for anybody. Like it's, it's a pick your poison. It's pretty stupid. Pick your poison ivy. It's literally what it is. So the other thing that I think is kind of interesting, so this is uh, related to Ohio State in the sense that it's at Ohio Stadium, uh, but there are reports that uh, Ohio Stadium were hosting an exhibition soccer game between Man City and Chelsea, so we get some EPL action in the shoe. Um, so here's the deal. I, is EPL, I don't know this, George, and maybe you do, but is EPL okay with playing on field turf for the, even for these exhibition games? Like, I, I have no idea, dude. I really hope that at some point they they make the, you know. In Miami, we got messy. That's the only thing I care <laughs> that's about. That's right. Uh, 
I hope they take the initiative to, to maybe put in grass so people can see what that looks like. It would be a shame, frankly, if you're going to get these storied EPL, you know, programs, these these franchises to come in and have them play on field turf. I wanted to anything see that grass. makes the British upset. I am just totally <laughs> an advocate for. I think it'll be cool. I'm excited. I I'm especially Man City, which right now is, you know, the, you know, premier. I mean, not to put too much of an, you know finger out but the premier club in the world i mean that's it, kind of amazing that they would be able to come to columbus and, and play a, uh um you know play a match so i would be i would be pretty excited to see that even in apparently the the shoe hosted an ex- exhibition between real madrid and psg yeah. in 2016 so i would also assume cool. they know what how, they know what the drill is at this point in terms of how they got to handle that yeah so that would be cool um i'm excited for that and uh yeah we'll definitely you know look forward to all the kind of the the traveling that you know any team might have to do to go to unusual places as long as it's not on like a uh you know a battleship like they tried to do that one time for the basketball team and it ended up oh my god i had that was my freshman year of college and we like one of my roommates had a friend for i think i think they were playing uh was it was it marquette i think it might have been marquette i think yeah we had a friend, or I not my friend, but my my roommate had a friend come, like make the trip to Ohio State to watch the game that game with us. Yeah, and then it got canceled. Yeah, like ten minutes before tip because they were playing on the USS Yorktown on the ocean <laughs> and didn't rainproof did, the, that's the right. arena. That's right. How could this? Who could have possibly have foreseen this issue? Who could have guessed that the boat would get wet? Right. Yes. (laughs) Um, So hopefully it's not that dumb when Ohio State goes to Wrigley and you know the EPL comes to the shoe. Hopefully Wrigley will be worse. No matter. I know it's gonna be. It's gonna be bad. Uh, All right. Hey. You know what? And and tell you what, in the in the dubcast that we do after that, it's just going to be all Harry Carey voices for the entirety of the uh, the show. Um, Would you eat the moon if it was made that's of? That's a simple question, though. <laughs> yes or no? Um, uh, okay, so that was that was the first part here. Let's get to ask us anything here in a second. But before we do, we remind you that the dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at elevenwarriors.com. Dry Goods. Elevenwarriors.com, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. I recommend it. It's great. I wear all kinds of stuff from the Dragon Store. Um, all right, ask us anything. If you want to ask us literally anything, which you have definitely been taking us up on that offer recently, so kudos to all of you. Um, you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. The first question, Joshua, I, I got to tell you something, man. I, I definitely appreciate your enthusiasm, especially for slipping in another Eva reference to a question. This question might be a little too niche. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to alter it a little bit. I appreciate, again, I appreciate the question. Um, I don't know that we can get into shipping wars too much on this show, but what I do want to ask George is, uh, along those same lines, I guess, what was your first cartoon crush that you had as a kid? When you were a little kid, who was your first cartoon crush? You know, on, uh, on the Disney Tara Channel? from Teen Titans. Tara from Teen Titans. I don't, I don't, I don't watch Disney Channel. Get out of here. I'm a Nickelodeon oh, Cartoon Network supremacist. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend your sensibilities. I apologize. Uh, Tara from what was Disney Channel garbage? I don't think I have a good frame of reference for Tara from Teen Titans. What made her so so incredibly awesome? Uh, well, I mean, it's it it's more tragic. She she you know was in like three episodes, and then all the like the whole team was fawning over her because okay. she's this like you know spunky little blonde chick. Oh, and well, then there you go. She 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 turns evil. She's corrupted by Slade, <laughs> uh-huh. and then she has to sacrifice herself to save the the city when uh it's like dude it's so sad and then like the last episode of the show before they cancel it is like slade may or may not have figured out how to like clone her but she doesn't have any of her memories and then like so she doesn't remember that she was like that she was like boyfriend and girlfriend with like beast boy or whatever and like he's devastated trying to rekindle the relationship but she's like i don't want anything to do with this because i'm not this person that you think that i i remember 
dude, it was that so messed is awesome. up. awesome. I love how I, I love that. That's great. Good for no, them. No, couldn't it's not because it's the last episode of the show. Oh, well, that's less before good. they just decided to cancel it. And it ends on like the saddest like note that it possibly could. Yeah. And then they rebooted Teen Titans as this like super goofy, like way more kid thing than like actually targeting right. like I don't know, tweens and teens like they did with the original series. But yeah, I remember like, you know, when I'm I don't even remember what age I was when I, when I started watching it, but that was like the one cartoon character that was like, oh yeah, she's pretty cool. All right, fair but, enough. Uh, yeah. I want to pick, so uh, this show started, I think, I just looked it Misato up. Misato is best girl, by the <laughs> way, Josh. All right. Uh, I just looked this up um, just now. This the show started when I was uh, when I was nine, and I was not a big Disney guy. I didn't I didn't get into the Disney shows and the movies as a kid. However, Gargoyles I thought was a cool show. I thought that was a cool ass show when I was a kid. Where are you going with this? Because they're gargoyles. They're cool gargoyles. And there's a there's a gargoyle called Demona on the show. And she's got like she wears like I don't know like this loincloth basically, and and is just very like aggressive. But for a kid show, pretty pretty revealing wear. And I think as a kid, I was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna see the loincloth was what was doing well. It I for was you. like, are we gonna see her butt? Like I like I think as a kid, <laughs> that was the first time where I was like, hang on a second, am I gonna see a girl's butt? Am I gonna see some gargoyle? Butt am cheeks? I gonna see some gargoyle butt cheeks? And I think that's. And it because the gargoyles have tails, oh, right? God. And so I was like, how are they going to figure this out? And as a know. kid, I was They're like, sitting down all the time. I know. And it's always, and you always see them from the front. I'm like, I'm going to see this gargoyle chick's butt at some point. I need to see this butt. And I think that's when I first, I was like, oh man. So I think that's what, I think Demona from, from gargoyles. I think that's what started it. I mean, that was, that was the first cartoon crush that I had. So um all right well i was a little worried about my answer but then you gave that one so i, I feel yeah, a little yeah, bit better about my taste by. there we go um by the way this is this is a good question this is a question from a sport that we haven't talked about a ton on the uh, on the dubcast and, and maybe you know honestly i think it, it's one that we haven't given its due probably but uh this is uh, from Kevin, who's, who wants to know, when Sammy Sasso wrestles again, do you think it will be a national story? And uh, a lot of people, you know, maybe you're not aware, maybe you don't remember. Uh, Sammy Sasso uh, was uh, severely injured uh, to the point where they didn't, they didn't know if the guy would walk again. I mean, there were some really uh, scary uh, reports coming out after this uh, but he was shot and um, you know people were talking about like kind of nerve damage he might um, you know have sustained and everything like that and now we're talking about um, a potential like return here to uh, to wrestling in 2024 um, you know I, I think there's going to be some pretty if that does happen Kevin I, I think it has to be a national story I think it would be kind of unbelievable and I hope that it does I hope that he's cleared and I hope that uh, there's a you know there's kind of a Hollywood ending to that story I, I think it's tough for any wrestling story that isn't you know something like Kyle Snyder winning multiple titles to really gain traction in national circles but I think in the combat sports world that's going to be another like big comeback story oh my God, that yeah. happens that's going to have a lot of people very enthused so yeah. i you know in ohio state circles i think that that's going to be a big deal i don't know if it's going to necessarily blow up to the national level it may deserve but definitely among combat sports fans everybody loves a good comeback story and i think that'll be celebrated by just about everybody that pays attention to that yeah i think so too um last one here this is from our good friend alvin who wants to know simply what is your go-to drink at happy hour Oh, um, I, I usually just get a tequila and Sprite. Okay. It doesn't really matter to me what kind of brand it is. I'm in Miami. So most of the tequila is pretty good. Right. Um, so I, and yeah, so that, that's usually what I go with when I was in college. Anytime we were like hosting a party, I would, use, it was usually just, whatever alcohol was available and then like <laughs> mountain dew. And I would just kind of like throw that in a Mason <laughs> jar with some ice cubes uh -huh. and just kind of walk around sipping on that. So I was, you know, any, right. 
whatever whatever liquor is available and any soda that's gonna you know offset that i would otherwise be chasing if i was taking shots that's probably what it is but that that was a long time ago now more of a more just you know pure tequila and sprite which i don't know if there's really a name for that kind of cocktail but it's you know it's what i do it's what works you know when i was in college i you know i wasn't a huge partier i mean i would go out and you know drink whenever but it was, it's like, give me a beer. I don't care what it is. You know, I'll drink it. And it's the word is of every party animal. Ever. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Like I can stop whenever I want. Johnny um, was a menace back in the day. You know, I mean, I would go out, we'd go out to Larry's or I'd go out to outer Inn or something like that. And I'd get a few beers and then I'd be done. And it's, it wasn't something where I get super into it. But one thing I did enjoy doing, if I knew I was going to be out for a while and it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I am going to party a little bit or hang out with my friends. Like I just, I just do straight bourbon and I don't really have a preference for it a lot. I know a lot of guys get super into it. If you ask on the website, you know, Ramsey or Chris, whoever, they'll they'll it's have Ramsey's whole brand yeah i know well right but you'll have you know like hundred dollar you know five hundred dollar bottles of bourbon on their show i don't do that i don't care what it is give me a you know a shot of jack and i'll, I'll take it and that that was just kind of how i would kick stuff kick stuff off if like i knew i was going to be out partying or whatever um and i still enjoy it you know i'll still enjoy it. i don't i don't i don't party obviously i'm not out there you know getting you know, the saying goes liquor before beer you're in the clear yeah i don't know if that's ever been the case for me uh because if it's liquor before beer it means i'm going to drink like eight beers so um i i do enjoy though if i go out to a nice restaurant or whatever you know like for my wife and i recently had her anniversary so i go out to a nice restaurant and I, oh congratulations thank you um i think it's six years for us so that's pretty cool wow uh nice. yeah so you know i like having a nice bourbon or whiskey or something with a, like a steak dinner or something like that and i'll, I'll do that so that's that's kind of where i'm at but i will say um there are definitely certain beers that i seek out and uh, <laughs> i i did solo dad duty recently for about four or five days um uh because my wife was on a trip and uh towards and it drove you to alcohol yeah towards the end of it um i took my son out and i was like i'm gonna find some old rescue because um, i'm kind of losing it and so uh, <laughs> uh now that of course was after he was safely in bed and asleep and everything and i i didn't i only had one it's not like i was getting drunk or anything like that but i was like i just i need something just kind of relax a little bit after this Take long, the long weekend off. yeah and uh so the old rasputin is if, when i can find it i get it because it's one of my favorite beers so uh i would say those are kind of my go-tos but what a cultured individual you are yeah Johnny. yeah man, yeah 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 that's true i am i am pretty amazing in so many ways you're right <laughs> i'm just gonna agree with that uh okay so that's that's ask us anything thank you for sending in those questions remember you can do so at dubcast at 11 warriors.com couple things i want to kind of get us uh, out on here first of all five seven format was confirmed for the 12 team playoff which means that um you know the first the first four teams the top ranked teams are going to get a bye teams five through 12 are going to be playing each other uh, that will occur on campus sites. I think this is probably the best way they could have done it, at least in terms of carrying over what they had previously done while adding teams. But I've seen some criticism. I was listening on the radio this morning, uh, Joshua Perry, who's been kind of anti-expansion in general and wants to make you know the playoff more exclusive rather than less exclusive, uh, was kind of saying, you know, does the 12th ranked team really deserve to be, you know, do, do they have aspirations to championships? Do they really deserve to, you know, be in it to win it? I would disagree with that. I, I think that first of all, this past season, Michigan wasn't some, you know, they weren't touched by the hand of God or anything like that. That was a team that could get beat if they played the right team. And, um, are you kidding? They were a team without sin. Yeah, right. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that I want to see that opportunity. I, I don't like it when teams who I believe have pretty obvious deficiencies can kind of waltz in through a favorable draw and only have to play like one or two decent teams and, and you know, get a championship or get recognition that way. So that's kind of how I feel about that. And I think an expanded playoff uh, forces teams to kind of prove themselves a little bit. And I, I don't have a problem with that at all. I think 
Josh Perry is just subtly throwing shade on Penn State because they always seem to occupy <laughs> a little that spot bit, yeah, at the end yeah. of the season. Right? No, I mean the that's Penn a good point. States of the college football world that's don't fair. deserve. I, I mean, it's one thing for us to say that, but then there's going to be that one that one year where Ohio State just flubs up against a, a Big Ten East opponent. I know <laughs> divisions are going away, but sure they're going to be in a position where they're actually like third in the conference instead of second or first. Yeah, and we're yeah. going to be grateful that Ohio state at least has an opportunity to compete for some right. postseason glory. I will bite them in the ass in like stuff. October 3rd or something. And then, you know, Ohio state fans will be like, no, no, they're much better than they were then. They're much better. Yeah, that pink locker room and that children's hospital just psych them out every right. single time. These kids. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably the best way to go about it. Well, I mean, my biggest takeaway from all of this and what i'm most excited about is just the on-campus games that's to me the biggest aspect of all of this because like i've been chomping at the bit for something like that since they even brought you know broached the idea of a playoff yeah watching the sec teams play in the cold is gonna oh my be god a oh my god i am so there for that the, the idea that the idea that like a Georgia they serve chicken noodle soup out of Gatorade coolers when it's like 50 degrees. I know. And, and the idea that like a Georgia or a Florida state would have to go somewhere like Wisconsin in December is one of the funniest possible things to me that that would be so good in so many ways. And yeah, I don't know. I, I am very much looking forward to that. I think that'll be a ton of fun when that eventually happens. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and also, last thing I kind of want to talk about, we didn't mention it too much last week, even though EA put out a, um, uh, they put out a, a, like a little teaser with basically no footage of it. But it was confirmed that players who opt into this will be getting $600 from EA Sports to be wow. an NCAA 24 uh, and a free copy of the game, which whatever. Per year they're in school. Yes, right. So how do you how do you feel about that? Do you think that's just compensation for their uh, likeness? I mean, kind of. It's not like <laughs> a lot of the play. Yeah. I mean, let's be realistic. Like, how many of these players are actually going to make the NFL? Very few. Right. So, and and those ones presumably are going well. But I don't it's know a flat rate. It's not like, you know, I mean, Trayvon Henderson's getting 600 bucks and the third string long snapper for, you know, Eastern Carolina is getting 600 bucks. Yeah, exactly. So they, it's, it's a level playing field in that regard. And I, it remains to be seen how much money this version of the game is actually going to make. I mean, it's the first one that's come out in over 10 years. Mm-hmm. So you would think that, Oh, I this, think they're going to make, this is a highly anticipated release, yeah, they're gonna make bank. but all right, but you still wonder how much of you know how much how well they're going to do in sales relative to um, you know how much money they're they're giving up at this point. I think they did the math on it. I, I think already for like if you know there's something like what nine what nine thousand eligible players, mm-hmm. um, and I think five thousand already opted in on the same day. It's probably more than nine thousand. It might be more than that, but I. Uh, Oh, it's over 11,000. Yeah. I, I think it's probably appropriate. There's going to be people that complain about it not being enough relative to like, you know, them ha- like the, you know, the fact that the game is what it is, is built on the likeness of the players right. that probably deserve more. But I, I think that this conversation is really a distraction from what the bigger issue is going to be, which we've talked about before, which is, microtransactions are just going to ruin this game relative to what we fondly remember it as. Right. And uh, I don't anticipate the pro the bigger problem I see is that, you know, the, the, it's interesting. They're, they're them getting a, from EA's perspective, them getting a flat rate out for the players is smart because especially because this is 10 years off of the last game. And there's a lot of people that really haven't been that are loyal to this game that haven't had it for so long, but haven't necessarily kept an eye on how the, the landscape of video games has changed relative to sports games in the last 10 years there the bulk of the money that EA makes off this game is going to not come from the sales of the copies itself 
but the microtransactions and how they're Correct. able to implement those. Because right. that's the same way that it works for FIFA, and it's the same way that it works for Madden. And if they already know how to make their money off of the professional football game, why would it be any different for the collegiate one? Yeah. So I, I am not at all encouraged by how things have changed relative to when the last NCAA football came out, that this product is going to be not only much different from the Madden game that they have now, which has gotten progressively worse every year for the last like eight years, but also they're not going to switch up their business model for the sake of, you know, getting the players paid more or whatever. And if they're paying a flat rate that is based on, sales of the game the players are not going to get a cut of any of the microtransaction revenue correct so ea is going to get to keep all of that and that is i think what people should be more paying attention to here than oh they're getting six hundred dollars per year that they're in school and a seventy dollar you know value in the in a copy of the game itself like i i wonder how many of the players are actually even going to bother playing it as opposed to just you know wanting to pocket an extra 670 bucks for themselves. Right. So it's it'll be interesting to see if it changes after this year. The players don't have a lot of leverage, so I don't really expect it to. But I think this game is going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And even though it's going to financially do well because there's no other competitor and EA knows they can just serve up whatever slop that they really <laughs> choose. As they have been for many years. Right. And all of their other it's, franchises. I, I just think that people need, and we've talked about this on the show before when this has come up, but I just think people need to temper their expectations relative to what the current reality is yeah. for EA Sports. I agree. And, you know, and the thing is, is that I don't think $600 is enough for anybody's likeness. Uh, I think that's that's a paltry fee. And people are talking about, well, there's $6 million. It's going to cost $6.6 million if they get everybody. I got to tell you something. First of all, video game development, I don't think people really have wrapped their heads around. If you're if you're just a casual uh, consumer of video games or enjoyer of video games, I don't think most people have really wrapped their heads around how much money is in development and marketing and all that kind of stuff. EA Sports is probably going to spend easily somewhere between 100 150 million dollars. Uh, both marketing, producing, developing, you know, supporting just this one game. They've made billions of dollars in their fantasy team stuff alone in the past, like, you know, 10, 15 years. So, like, it's it's not the amount of money that they're giving to players is minuscule compared to the other items on their spreadsheet. So that's that is not a consideration. People are talking about, like, well, they won't be able to make a game if they pay him. I don't think that's it at all. They could quintuple that amount and it would be totally fine. And to that point, um, they pay uh pay you know players for madden somewhere between like 15 and twenty thousand dollars each so again i understand that there's you know different scales here in terms of the amount of players involved blah blah blah, but the truth of the matter is ea sports has the money to pay people but you're right the larger issue is are they getting a cut of everything else that kind of comes down the pike which of course they won't so i don't know it's it's going to be interesting to see the reception of the game uh, you know, I think it's going to sell a trillion copies, but is it going to have staying power? Are people still going to play it throughout the season like they used to, right? You know, 10, 15 years ago when the game was really hot uh, and kind of go week by week. I don't know. I don't know what that'll look like. Um, if it's just a reskin Madden, I don't think it's going to have this kind of staying power. If they, they actually put in things that make it feel like a college game, then then maybe it will, but we'll see. Apparently there's going to be I mean, another EA's reveal been in May, caught- so... EA has been caught reusing assets from like multiple years ago and like subsequent Madden titles. So there's going to be just the same recycled stuff. Right. And I think so too. This NCAA football game. I don't think there's any dispute of that. And when you, when you play your first online game and you come across the first team where it's obvious that they, this, you know, 15 year old just has access to their parents' credit card and is <laughs> just right. totally bought out uh-huh. all the best options available. Uh-huh. It's just going to totally discourage you from wanting to play well, time over time again. No, it's going to encourage you to get your parents' uh, credit card and, and buy all the right stuff so you can win and, you know, just perpetuate the cycle of crappy franchise games that come out every year. 
So there you go. All right. I became very vengeful in Madden for one year in like 2017 where I was like, I'm committed to getting good enough at this game where I'll beat anybody that just so obviously bought their team. Right. And then I, I, after that, it was like, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I got my revenge on the community becoming what it is, and it's only going to get worse from here. Right. This is where I have to sign off. Yeah. So I'm – I don't. I'm going to be totally honest. I don't even know if I'm going to get. I. I might not either. I. I, I might dip my toe, maybe. But seventy dollars for a game that I know is not going to live up to expectations hey, you know is. It's a lot for me. Your local library often rents out games. I just want people to be aware. That's of that. true. So that's always an option. Uh, okay. Uh, Eleven Warriors should buy me a copy, <laughs> and I'll stream on Twitch. There you go. We can do that. Uh, but we can't do that. I mean, we won't do that. Um, so <laughs> that's the dumbcast for this week. Uh, keep listening. Keep sending in those questions. We'll be back next time to talk about all the foibles and fun stuff going on with college sports and specifically Ohio State. But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Folks.